0: Hello and welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices in Covent Garden. My name is Dan Schreiber, I'm sitting with Anna Chazinski, James Harkin and Andy Murray and once again we have gathered around the microphones with our four favorite facts from the last seven days and in no particular order, here we go. Starting with fact number one, that's my fact. My fact this week is that monorails were originally horse drawn.
1: That's really great. It's like the ultra modern with the not very modern at all.
0: Yeah, it? exactly. It's the future, but there's a horse attack. It's like <laughs> it's, it's everything. I always wonder. If, Spaceships
2: have the same thing. I think. Yeah, exactly.
0: I've always wanted to know if, like, back in that period, there were books that were just called like, "When will I get my hover horse?" Like, <laughs> uh. they hadn't yet known about the next bit of technology. Um, yeah. I do, and the thing I really love about it is all the main new inventions coming out of that time. Even household stuff that was run on QI that vacuum cleaners used to be horse-drawn as well. Yeah. Just everything was horse-drawn. We should say why, because that sounds insane. Oh, yes, but yeah. They were, yeah, they <laughs> were really, really, really big, is the idea. And the, yeah.
3: the, the vacuum cleaner would pull up outside your house and they would send in tubes... To yes. hoover inside the house yeah. and it would, it would suck all the dust and actually. the tubes yeah. were
1: see-through so you could see all of the crap coming out of yeah. the house which oh, is quite cool you? because then it's yeah. like see what your neighbours all the crap that's in yeah, the house yeah you don't want to drop embarrassing <laughs> oh, stuff true. on your floor well, so you might end up doing that thing of making sure
0: all the stuff that's vacuumed looks really expensive and nice <laughs> you know just for <laughs> a nosy oh, neighbour yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> got a few more doesn't matter
0: I don't know if you've seen but the Jacksons have some very expensive looking dust <laughs> uh so when are we talking what era this was in 1820 and it was a guy called ivan elmanov and this was in russia but it's weird, the, the 1800s uh like when you think about all of these horse powered things it just feels like it was such a productive time for horses they had a lot of jobs that they mm. they seem to have gone through like a job recession recently they because they were doing monorails they were doing uh obviously fire engines they were doing trains they were, they were. I mean, they were yeah. everywhere, and there was this amazing... Re- actually, before I mention this bit, they were used in plays. The first Ben-Hur play yep. that they did on Broadway was done using real horses on treadmills on the stage.
1: <laughs> yeah, on these <laughs>
0: treadmills, great. and they were attached to these poles so that the horses couldn't get loose and go into the crowd, but they wanted to make it a spectacle when the audience was watching the, the that chariot is, races. That's
1: quite a spectacle, isn't yeah, it? it yeah, it's incredible. So all these horses mm.
0: were lying, bolting like crazy, on a movable floor so they weren't making it... Any ground and, and it toured the world. It was a it was a huge huge play. So they were wow. in plays as well. Do you think the Grand National will ever just be on treadmills?
1: <laughs> wow, it's not a bad yeah. idea. Uh, yeah Well, it's not a great idea, is it? <laughs> What's wrong with it? One disadvantage, for instance, is you only have a very small amount of place where people can watch. But on the other hand, everyone there gets a really good view of the whole race. You don't see the horses go by in a flash, and then you <laughs> yeah, have to wait true. another five minutes. You watch and them the come whole race, yeah. yeah. You see the whole race. No jumps. That's a problem.
3: Um, not with my revolutionary moving hedge treadmill <laughs> system.
1: It'd be like an OK Go video, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Um, Monorails are very old-fashioned in a way. So the official monorail, well, I don't know how official it is, but the monorails website I looked at. (laughs) What was the website? It's monorails.com. I think uh, on yeah. monorails.com. It's one of the two. <laughs> um, but there, there are lots of theories that the guys who run that website have about why monorails are not more popular, why we're not all on a monorail all the time. <laughs> and they've said that like, the, well, there is one theory that they espouse that people actually make a lot more money out of railways, or that more groups of people uh, stand to make a profit out of yeah. railways. So that's why they've been keeping monorails down. It's the
1: same reason we don't have those everlasting light bulbs. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. light bulb manufacturers will go out of business. Or the idea that Gillette supposedly have come up with a blade that never dullens, but they won't sell it <laughs> because then people will stop buying blades. And yeah, stuff like that. I don't buy it myself.
3: But they also say that another problem is that people think of monorails as being a bit uh, eccentric or quaint. So it's the Disney problem is what you've got. Right. You know, that they go around Disney World or Chessington World of Adventures and, yeah. you know, they're yeah. not I serious. They're,
1: they're, they aren't that serious, though, are they, really? <laughs> I like but, them, though. But it's like someone... Who rides a unicycle? Just going, oh, I don't know why they're... everyone's yeah. not riding unicycles. Yeah. It's because they make money out of that extra wheel. <laughs> yeah. It's
2: also because it's much easier to ride a bicycle, mate, and it's much easier to make a train. It yeah. is. Monorails are really unbalanced, like unicycles. Well, they are no, very hard to balance. They're
3: not because they have saddlebags kind of below the level of the track. Andy, so you they're... have
2: to admit that is more complicated <laughs> and difficult than just having two rails. See, the
3: trains people have got to you, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> winston churchill once drove a monorail did he yeah really?
1: for a job, or Not for a job <laughs> No. Um, in
3: 1910 this is before he was prime minister it was at a Br- japan british exhibition and uh the daily mail wrote it up and said it was as interesting to him as a new toy would be to a child and he liked it so much that he then persuaded the prime minister and the chancellor to come and have a go um, and he put loads Absolutely. of money into developing it and he was hugely enthused. And then wow. The, the money ran out eventually.
1: Um, that was a nice simile um, as interesting as a mm. tie to a child. And I have some other similes here. As useful as a coal man on a maglev monorail means like as useful as a chocolate teapot or something like that. A coal Why man coal on a maglev man? monorail. Yeah, because you don't need to put coal into a monorail because they run on magnet or whatever. There's a list of some other as useful as a which I found online. So... Um, these all are things that are useless. As useful as a warm bucket of spit.
2: Or <laughs> like one of those really handy cold buckets of spit. <laughs>
1: Tons of use. And another one, this is my favourite. As useful as a hat full of busted assholes. <laughs> so that's a little <laughs> a hat full of busted assholes. That's a little phrase that you could use. Wow.
3: Wow. <laughs> Have you guys heard of tumor monorails? Ooh. These are really It's a medical innovation they've come up with. So it's still in the very early days. But they're very tiny uh, nanofibers which scientists want to use to put into the body to persuade cancer cells to move along them. Because it, it mimics the paths that cancers use to get around inside the body. So they latch on the, the cancerous cells. They get them to other bits of the body, which is either where scientists can cut them out more safely as where it's less dangerous to operate. Or they can even they've tried experiments actually moving them out of the body, and this is just on rats they've tried, and into a toxic gel. So isn't you, that incredible do you have yeah. a, a little persuade.
2: rail yeah. comi- coming out of your face and you just watch the little train yeah. tootle out <laughs> yeah wow how isn't
1: do that... they persuade yeah. the cancer
2: cells to get on board do they have very cheap fare? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: it just looks like it looks to the cancer cells I think like the, the way that they get around so they just assume oh this is the route that we're going to go on isn't that unbelievable that's, that's so cool and you thought monorails were bad
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I take it back oh,
1: that's awesome all right, uh, anyone got anything else? Um, San Diego Wild Animal Park opened in 1972 with um, a monorail around the park, like a lot of things do. Uh, the railway was called the Wagasa Bush Line. Uh, everyone thought Wagasa was like an African name or whatever, but it actually stood for Who Gives a Shit Anyway?
2: Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, they couldn't
1: think of a name. Oh, wow. <laughs>
2: that amazing. feels like the end of a long meeting. Yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, time for fact number two,
3: Andy Murray. My fact is that the Great Smog of 1952 was so bad that blind people led sighted people home from the train station. The sight of people just could not see where they were going. It was completely impossible. That's brilliant. That's amazing. So uh, the Great Smog is the most extraordinary, I think it was a five-day stretch in London specifically, but it later spread across the whole of the UK. Okay, so
1: what was it, like people burning things in their houses or factories or...?
3: Yeah, a bit of a mix. So people were using coal, but they were using very dirty coal, which had lots of sulphur in it, and factories were also belching out lots of sulphur dioxide, which then turned into sulfuric acid in the air, so... It, and all the dirty coal Normally the coal fumes would have just gone into the atmosphere And spread out But there was this um, layer of cold air above London Which sort of formed this uh, Bubble if you like Of warmer air inside And everything just turned back towards the ground And mixed with moisture So um, would it
0: have been um, hazardous to your health To breathe in this yes. smog? Very so much so
3: Right I, I think they think now that 12,000 people died And 100,000 became ill Wow Yeah
1: Oh my god Um, there were 19 people I'm not sure if this was the same great smog it might have been 19 people were drowned after unwittingly walking into the Thames yeah because they couldn't see where they were going. Yeah. You li-
2: so you couldn't see your feet could you? By yeah. the end of it and um, bus conductors had to get out of buses and have flames in front of buses to guide them down the street because it was some I mean it was about 3 feet of visibility. Yeah. Um, and librarians I find this a really funny image. Uh library- so it got inside buildings and library workers reported walking through stacks of libraries and turning a corner along the library corridor and suddenly bumping into a huge waft of smog that was just <laughs> sitting in their library. Yeah.
0: Just hanging in as a column just own.
2: hanging out it sounds like something out that's of amazing. trying film. to
3: check out a book yeah
0: yeah. because <laughs> like so I read the Sadler's Wells they had to stop a play midway through because yeah. so much smog entered but I love that idea yeah. of that, <laughs> that suddenly being like whoa the production levels on this play it's <laughs> <that's Yeah>. phenomenal
1: <laughs> look at this um,
0: and they had to abandon dog racing because the dogs couldn't see
3: the hair <laughs> So they just had. And to presumably, the, the r-
2: people couldn't see which dog won either. Yeah. Right so <laughs> <laughs> everyone demands nobody their money. Nobody could see
3: anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they had to cancel football matches because nobody could see the ball. You just kick the ball, and you—that's it. Everyone's looking for the ball, and then you know, for half an hour.
1: I've been to football matches where they had to be cancelled for fog. Really? Yeah, and it's interesting when you're like a fan because often you're behind a goal and you just can't see anything on the other side of the pitch and you just hear a massive cheer from the other side. You've got no idea whether it's a goal or a a save or whatever. Um, I like this as well. So obviously very dangerous on the
3: railway lines because, you know, there are workers on the railway lines and if you can't see a train. So train engineers, what they would do, they put little explosives on the line itself which would go off as the train went over them, like a cap gun, basically. I like, like those to make a noise.
1: things that kids throw on the floor yeah, to make exactly. a Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
3: and then that would make a noise, so then they would notify the workers that there was a train coming slowly along the tracks, and they could get out of the way. Oh wow! Like yeah, but
0: that must have been because a smog like that when this this must have been a really productive time of people going. Okay, um, blind people are now offering their services to walk people home at tube stations. Mm-hmm. The train people are going. Okay, we're going to lay down like. It's, it's very home alone isn't it like everyone's like trying to reinvent how you can get by yeah. in a city where you everything's can't everything's like stay. a 1980s movie to you isn't <laughs> it <no? laughs> well just think about it like no one would have been prepared for an entire city to be yeah. totally just
1: and Actually, the there viewless. were it was kind of semi-common, wasn't it? That they would have these kind of things. This was the worst by miles, but yeah. pea soupers yeah. were kind of common at the time. Pea yeah. super being... Pea super just being the nickname for the for the fog uh, because it was as thick as pea soup.
2: And it was greenish, mm. apparently. Was the that? greenish, yellowish It had lumps tinge. of ham in it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 licking the air. Um,
3: yeah. No, you're right. It would have been a time of ingenuity, but also like the roads were covered in abandoned cars because people just could not... See yeah. to drive so well, yeah.
1: speaking of ingenuity they have quite bad um, smog in china at the moment especially in beijing and the chinese state media came up with a number of benefits of smog in china has anyone seen these yeah they're okay. really good um so one it unifies the chinese people which is
2: kind of what you were saying Dan about you know everyone gets together and has to it's like against a common enemy yeah Yeah.
1: if you excuse the 12,000
0: or so deaths it's kind of a party yeah when you think about it like big massive smoke machine yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) it's like the beginning of uh, Matthew Kelly's stars in their eyes
1: that's what it is tonight Matthew I'm going to be falling in the Thames (laughs) Uh, another one was it makes people more knowledgeable brackets of things like fog (laughs) (laughs) Sure. And also, apparently, it makes people funnier.
2: Oh, it's because of the the dark humour that comes with it. But yeah. obviously,
3: if you do come up with any jokes, don't put them online because the party will find you.
1: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> even in the smog. Yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, there was a fire in Beijing in 2013 at a furniture factory, and no one noticed it was on fire because the smog in the city was so bad. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's terrible. I know. No. Well, the
0: thing in China as well, in Beijing particularly, is that the Gobi is kind of really encroaching oh, yeah. on China at the moment. So not only so smog and fog must be a massive one but they get huge sandstorms now like they have sandstorm warnings on the weather now and they started this plan do you know about the great green wall of china I do not. Yeah, they've been building this huge wall of, of effectively, what, a trees? forest wall, oh, Yeah, okay, okay. where they're going to try and stop the desert from encroaching and capture all the sand as it comes in.
2: So it's like sand versus smog at the moment, like an alien versus predator for 21st century China. Yeah. They're taking each other on.
3: Yeah. You compare everything to bad and. 2010- teen films.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Sharktopus versus. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um in China, uh in 2013 alone, Chinese consumers spent the equivalent of 140 million dollars on anti-smog devices, which is not what, great because I think What are um, they? Anti-smog devices. Oh, they're sorry, they're just those smog masks that you oh, see yeah. a lot of people in China wear. Only about a fifth of them work, so which is kind of a shame. But it's been adopted into their fashions because uh, a couple of years ago on the catwalk, the people on the catwalk had to wear smog masks. Just because, oh. uh, and and a designer decided to make smog masks suddenly fashionable. So he's called Yin Peng, and his 2015 collection includes fashionable smog masks, and they look so cool. One of them looks like the shredder. Is it the shredder who yeah, has
1: from teenage mutant ninja? Yeah,
2: one of them looks a bit like Darth Vader. Yeah. So are they
1: all films from the seventies and eighties? Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I think that's the theme he's going for.
0: Yeah, this is the thing. Um, Hong Kong and China are very good at doing that kind of thing, where they try and convince the public yeah. that it's now fashionable. And, and when SARS came out, a very similar, when SARS, remember when SARS came out? Uh, <laughs> that was first Is released. that another 90s film? Yeah. So everyone was wearing the, the masks to stop themselves yeah. from, from having the coughs. And there were like huge rappers singing about SARS and stuff. They tried to make it a pop culture thing right. so that people felt comfortable and cool wearing SARS star- in your eyes. <laughs> oh, it's better than
3: dancing with the SARS.
1: <laughs>
2: um... On, can I say another thing about sight? Yes, yes please. Vision. Do you guys know about forbidden colours? No. I can't believe I didn't know this. So we can't see all the colours that are available for us to see. For instance, reddish green... You can't see reddish green <laughs> with your eyes, but that does exist. And you also can't see yellowish blue. So that means that you can't see a colour which is in equal parts getting more red and more Why green at the we same see time. These things? Uh, because our cones, which are our receptors which uh, see these colours, will, if they're exposing themselves to, let's say, the red part of reddish green, then they will shut down the green bits of the receptor Uh to allow you to properly see the red and vice versa. But we could have eyes that could allow us to see both. And some people think there was an experiment done in 1983 which tried to make people see both. And there is a test you can do and some people claim that they can see these never before seen, never before described colours. So if you just, if you look up forbidden colours or impossible colours test, you'll see it online and it's um, a yellow square next to a blue square and there are two white crosses in the middle of each one. And if you stare at that for long enough, apparently you'll see a colour that has never never before been seen. Wow. You.
0: Uh, I, read a, I read a great thing about tiger beetles, which apparently is that they can run so fast that they go blind. <laughs> is that wonderful? What? Yeah.
2: Is that like exceeding the speed of light? They, so no, they, they, exceed,
0: they exceed the speed of information, I guess, to their brain. That's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they don't gather enough photons to make a picture of their prey. So they end up having to stop to let their brain catch up so that like in pursuit running and then they'd have to just pause so their brain can suddenly bring the visuals back (laughs) yeah and they have to like sometimes they'll stop three to four times before they actually catch their prey (laughs) they're like the opposite of pigeons
3: because pigeons could see a huge number of as it were frames per second yeah so we did that thing ages ago on qi that a film in a cinema to them would look like a slideshow they would find it incredibly boring.
2: Yeah, Mm. and this has been used by some people to explain why pigeons don't get out of the way as fast as we think they should if we're driving towards them or cycling towards them. It's because they're seeing stuff more frames per second so they can wait for longer um, because we... It's like they're in the Matrix. Yeah, but that's not true. (laughs) I crash into them all the time. So whatever this amazing sense is, which means they can escape quicker, it's not working. I cycle into pigeons constantly.
0: (laughs) Okay, time for fact number
1: three, and that is James. Okay, my fact this week is that on the 24th of March 2015, the temperature in Antarctica was higher than in Malta, Madrid, and Marrakesh. So book your flights now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is extraordinary. This How was, yeah. was it? It was the record temperature in Antarctica so far, and it was 17.5 degrees Celsius. And in wow. all those three places, it was around 16 degrees. Wow. Yeah. That, so that, does that mean you could go out in a t-shirt? Yeah, you could. That is This was on the corner. It's not like in the absolute South Pole. Uh-huh. It was mm-hmm. on Antarctica, but not right down in the center where it probably was. Pretty cold. Pretty you, nippy. You, you can always go out in a t-shirt. <laughs> That's true. You yeah. know, no one's stopping, no one stopping you. No one's stopping you. Yeah. It's true. They have that thing called the 300 Club, don't they? Do you know that? You sit in a sauna at 200 degrees Fahrenheit for as long as you can stand, and then you go out and run around the pole naked uh, and the idea is that the difference in temperature is 300 degrees fahrenheit oh. uh, and also that you pass through all 24 time zones uh, in your in the nip
2: do you need to do passport checks at all of those different <laughs> <laughs> borders no obviously not you don't get passport checks at time zones
1: idiot. no but the parts of antarctica are claimed by different countries so theoretically they could uh, put, uh, up yeah. put up barriers but no one we? respects that though like no country, no.
0: they'll be like, this is ours. And everyone's going, it's not.
1: <laughs> it's, but that's true. It's like Britain's saying, oh, this bit's ours. And then everyone else is going, no, it's not. Nah. But this is ours. Always yeah, yeah, yeah. like, no, this bit's ours. Yeah. I was like, no, not really, but this is ours. There <laughs> is
3: a. I thought there was a treaty of the Antarctic there which is. said no one owns it, but only about fifty countries have signed it, and it's probably countries which don't have large claims staked. Yeah, Equatorial yeah. Guinea. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. We'll sign yeah. it. We're cool with that.
2: <laughs> we'll be the bigger person here.
3: <laughs> In order to bolster their claim to the Antarctic, uh, Argentina sent a seven-month pregnant woman to Antarctica to give birth. So the first baby born so first, was, oh. was in, in Antarctica uh, was an Argentinian baby called uh, Emil Marco Palma. And that was in 78 or possibly 79. Yeah. yeah.
1: I remember it was 78, I think, because it was the same year I was born. Ah, I mean, okay. I don't remember it from when I was born. <laughs> <laughs> I Even remember,
3: then, James was finding facts.
1: <laughs> I remember reading it and thinking that could have been me because the yeah. first test tube baby was in the same year,
3: Louise Brown. Well, it a big year for celebrity babies. Yes. Wow. Oh, you yeah. could have
2: been so special, James. I
1: know. Well, some people say I am. <laughs> Your mum. Oh, she's a good woman. Uh, so it's, um, th- this idea that it's hotter in Antarctica isn't to say that it's um, always hotter in Antarctica. Um, they uh, logged the record cold temperature last year as well. So it's it's not to say that everything's warming up exactly by that amount. It's a lot more complicated than that. But of course, this is all probably down to climate change. Right.
2: Wow, a big year for Antarctica, breaking its own records constantly. Yeah, exactly.
1: um, There's a guy online, um, he's called Maximiliano Herrera, and he's a climatologist, and he has a list of all the extreme temperature records for every nation on Earth. It's a brilliant website. You know, if you like data, go there. And he's found that in 2015 so far, five nations or territories have set or tied all-time records for the hottest temperature. Wow. And they are Antarctica, Equatorial Guinea, Ghana, Wallace and Fortuna Territory, and Samoa. Have you seen the the hottest
3: temperature ever recorded? was in America, I think. It was somewhere called Furnace Creek Ranch. Uh, But on the Wikipedia, it says... Is that
2: just a coincidence, that name?
3: Well, on the Wikipedia, it says in brackets after it, "formerly Greenland Ranch." So <laughs> I assume that they changed it Is after that, that not, but I'm that, not sure. I, think
1: I might have been there. Is that not in uh, Death Valley? Yeah, yeah, I've been there. Yeah,
3: yeah,
1: ah. it was hot. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah, there was a sign saying you must not go out of your cars after 10 a.m. or something because it was so hot. Everyone was really? ignoring it, of course. And um, the people were like frying eggs on the floor And stuff like that what? Not
2: hygienic That's something people no. never talk about When you talk about frying eggs on a car bonnet It may work But it's not hygienic
1: at all No they, I don't think they generally eat them straight afterwards do they? Oh do they not? No. What do they do with the eggs? Throw them away maybe What's the point of that? I know It's always Some Terrible to do. Yeah. ways <laughs> I mean you could,
3: you could heat something in a wrapper Like a microwave meal for example <laughs> On the bonnet of your car
0: And then at least it would be hygienic That's dealing with Anna's problem Dan yes.
1: please tell us the microwave fact That you told me yesterday
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I saw this online on National Geographic. There's been a pulse that's been detected a microwave uh, from space supposedly it could be a
1: pulsar or aliens
0: even since the 90s they've been thinking what the hell is this thing it's been a big mystery and it would come by every so often they'd log it and no one would know what it was and they've dealt with this kind of thing with space before mysterious signals that they eventually find out so they've continued the search to find out what it was and they've had a breakthrough they now know what it is the microwave signals were coming from a microwave (laughs) 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 basically on premise (laughs) anytime someone used it it would send out microwave signals. It would yeah. register it, and that was mystery solved. They
1: would always send the same pulses that were two minutes long, <laughs> and then a thirty-second gap, and then uh, another two minutes. Mysterious. Every time.
2: Is that? Did you say since the nineties? Yeah,
0: it's, and I think it's. I think it's neighboring microwaves as well from um, <laughs> houses around. It was at Park's Observatory. That's where it was. Wow, um, such yeah. a good fact. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love <laughs>
2: So there has been some really weird weather this year, in America especially. So they've had um, down the West Coast, for instance, San Francisco has recorded its first ever January without rain, I think. And then on the East Coast, it's been ridiculously snowy, this everlasting snow in places like Boston. Um, And they've realized, scientists have realized, it's because of the blob.
1: What? Which is <laughs>
2: it's this warm mass of water. It's a thousand miles long and it's sitting off the coast of off the west coast of America in the Pacific Ocean. It's three hundred feet deep and it's not cooling off and it's been there for about a year and a half and it's just sitting there like hot not hot, it's about seven degrees Fahrenheit above the water around it, and not cooling like um it usually would. Ooh, and nice. so this is causing these crazy weather phenomena all across America wow. because of the blob.
1: That's amazing. I have never heard that. That's amazing. Yeah, that's cool. So Here's a
3: weather thing for you Go on What killed A third of Napoleon's army On his way to Moscow In
1: 1812 Yes it was the cold snap Wasn't it No it wasn't It was heat stroke What Yes (laughs) No Yeah That's not what I learned in school It
3: was just as much of a problem Seriously? Don't get me wrong, cold was also a big problem later on. But no, there was an enormous heat wave which, which killed a lot of the soldiers who died.
2: Well. Was this going for an Antarctic style, let's break two records in one <laughs> year? <kind of.
1: laughs>
2: How do you know what to wear in the morning? Yeah, quite.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's
2: a nightmare.
1: You you Go invading Russia in layers always. That's what they saying. So <laughs> yeah. you can take them off if you have to. I've
2: got a fleece, but there's yeah. a cropped up underneath here. Don't worry, I'll be <laughs> fine.
1: <laughs> there's
3: an incredible image of the journey to and from Moscow. And he starts out with 400,000 men, a very, very thick line. And it shows where he goes geographically, what the temperature is along the way. By the time he gets there, he's got 100,000 men. By the time he gets back, he has ten thousand men. Yeah, that's incredible. It's one of the bo- it's that's one of the best uh, infographics they would call them these days. But it's a very very classic chart. I'll try and put it up on my Twitter. Yeah, um, because it looks unbelievably cool. Wow. Yeah. Um,
0: um, oh, sorry. Go on. no. I was just going to say I do love how weather in places that you Antarctica is the one place that on this podcast is constantly mentioned that blows me away in terms of the facts yeah like the fact that uh fires um fire's uh, a problem there yes it's a huge problem so they windy. have a fire service yeah. there interesting um,
2: you say blows me away it's uh, got a serious wind problem at the moment because of um global issues oh, Who well. does it yeah
0: i read that it, that it suffers from horizontal avalanches but i think that's a kind of uh, a description that people who are out there it's not as dangerous or as crazy as it sounds but they describe the idea of a horizontal avalanche I'm guessing it must be wind smashing yeah. um That's
2: weird that's so this is another thing that's happened in America I think that's called an ice shove And that's, it's an, or it's also known as an ice tsunami. And it is where wind will, uh, for instance, in a frozen lake, wind or weird water movements cause the ice to just move like a very slow tsunami onto the land. But um, it happened last year in Minnesota. And it's so weird. People just woke up and this huge wall of ice was just creeping into their houses and creeping up. If you watch it, it moves at about a centimeter
1: every couple of seconds. That is still scarier than smog. Though isn't it? Yeah. Like imagine walking through a library and there's a big load of ice. <laughs> yes. <towards you>. Yeah. <laughs> um,
3: have you heard of spontaneous snowballs? no this is a very similar thing (laughs) right basically it's when snow rolls up and forms a snowball on the ground spontaneously because of the wind um and they have a hollow center and they can be they can be huge they can be up to a a foot in diameter and it's when you have a a crust of old snow which is covered by a thin layer of new snow on top and um if the conditions are right a small bit of snow gets rolled along by the wind and it gathers more as it goes
2: and they have a hollow center yeah that's amazing very
3: cool. cool
2: um I was looking at places in Antarctica. There are some quite good place names.
1: Oh, I was literally just about to say this. Oh, go you for go for it. It. no, no, okay. no, you go Take for it and turns, do one each. Okay, let's see who runs out first. Okay, okay. All <laughs> um, right, yeah, yeah.
0: Let's go. So,
2: gotta pick my favourites now. Nipple peak. <laughs>
0: okay, uh, that's
1: gonna be hard to beat. Yep. Uh, knobhead. <laughs> Wait a minute. Are we doing names or just insults here? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Knobhead's good. I will raise you, dick peaks. <laughs> Similar theme.
0: Asses ears. Nice.
2: <laughs> Uh, The Office Girls. No one knows why.
0: Shag Nasty Island.
2: (laughs) Football Mountain. Uh,
0: Shapeless Mountain, which is really interesting because it was named that that because of the inability of the discovering team to agree on what its actual shape (laughs) was. So much so that Shapeless Mountain was a confusing thing that when they went to climb Shapeless Mountain, they climbed the wrong mountain (laughs) because they assumed it was Shapeless Mountain and they ended up naming that mountain that they mistakenly climbed, Mistake. Lake peak
2: yeah <laughs> Good i think i've only got mount cox left and then i'm out
3: <laughs> guys okay. these names are about as much use as a hat full of busted assholes
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay time for our final fact of the show and that is chesinski
2: my fact is that tonga's official finance minister was also its official court jester Uh, this is this guy jesse bogdanov who was employed as their financial advisor in 1994 uh, financial advisor to the government of tonga and he was i guess he got a promotion actually he decided he should be a court jester it was at his own suggestion as financial advisor he said why don't you make me your court jester because my birthday is april the 1st so Uh, it seems like the obvious thing to do
1: it's not much of a cv that is it why should you get this job? Well, my birthday's on April the 1st. <laughs> yeah. It would have been better if it turned out his birthday wasn't on April the 1st. And there was um, a trick. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Maybe it was. He wasn't a very trustworthy character, Slanderous. I hope he's not listening. Um, he did lose the country about $25 million as their financial advisor. Wow, but, really? Yeah, there was the Tonga Trust Fund, which he was given to manage, and he invested it all in...
3: Squirty some- flowers. And- LAUGHTER Massive shoes. Yeah. And the big shoe index fell yeah. off a cliff a few months later. So. Or all those little cars at <laughs> all the bits.
2: <laughs> it was basically that. Um, he invested it in questionable places and it disappeared. Um, lost all their money There's- and he had to flee the country. Well, so he fled the country? Uh, read, he I... left the country and he can't return now because he says he fears for his life. I think some Tongans who put their money into uh, this fund were pretty angry when well, he lost yeah. it all. Um, read... But as court jester, he was quite fun. He used to play saxophone at um, royal events and he wrote a poem about the king and, yeah, he was generally an entertaining chap in that part yeah. of his That doesn't life.
0: sound like a lot. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: Dan, played the saxophone, for heaven's sake.
0: <laughs> the funniest of all instruments. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So where is this guy now?
2: He's in America. He's changed his name to Jesse Dean. He's the founder and sole practitioner of a company called the Open Window Institute of Emotional Freedom in oh. California, and he does offer hypnosis as part of it.
0: So he can't go back because he's terrified for his life. But is he a wanted man there, or is he?
2: Um, I did, not openly.
3: I thought he was po- forced to pay back a million dollars. He
2: was forced to pay back a lot of money, and he still has to pay part of his income to Tonga. But he never admitted any liability.
3: Right. It was all- very nice of him to pay it back then, isn't it? was <laughs> oh, no, oh, nice! <laughs> out of the oh. goodness
1: of my heart. Oh, jolly good.
3: Um. So to- we should say Tonga because a lot of people won't know much about Tonga. Yeah. Uh, Tonga is 171 different islands. Okay. Right, and they're spread over 700,000 square kilometres of ocean. It's hugely spread out, but only 36 of the islands have actually got permanent inhabitants on them. Right. Okay. Yeah. So lots and lots of them are empty.
1: They used to be called the friendly islands, didn't they? That's nice. They yes. were they originally oh, called yeah. that because um James Cook was given such a friendly welcome when he arrived there in 1773. Uh, but legend tells That unbeknownst to him When they were having A big feast The only reason He departed unscathed Was because the chiefs Could not agree a plan On how to kill him <laughs> so I've been to parties Like that <laughs>
3: <laughs> They must have been Kicking themselves After he left Yeah, They must have been So close Okay so we're Five to four In
0: favour of decapitation <laughs> Please can we Yeah it's amazing That there isn't just a, Okay if we don't Decide on anything Here's our fallback Like how do you Not have a plan B <laughs> yeah. Of basic death um,
3: Between 1918 and in 2006 Tonga had only two monarchs very long reigns do we
1: know who the current
0: one is no
2: nobody knows (laughs) (laughs) people have been looking into it Uh, the the current one is George Tupou the sixth
0: what do we know about George Tupou
3: the sixth
2: almost nothing oh (laughs) but I believe we know some interesting stuff about George Tupou the fifth who was quite a fun character
3: he used to own the island's only power company, brewery, and mobile phone company. (laughs) (laughs) He got got rid of them eventually.
2: That sounds like he Um, was having a fun time. Sounds like an
3: entrepreneur. I like him.
2: Was he (laughs) just making drunken phone calls all the time? Is that his life? (laughs) Uh, He also, I think it was him, wasn't it, who insisted on being driven around in a London black cab everywhere. Uh And the reason that he gave for this was because a London taxi has the right proportions to make it easy for you to get in and out whilst wearing spots and a sword wow. <laughs> which I think is why we all ride around yeah. in them sometimes yeah. that's why
1: I never use uber <laughs> <laughs> just can't get my sword out of there
0: um, I've got a couple of things on jesters okay. uh, I, don't know if, yeah. I don't know if anyone does um, so one thing that surprised me is that uh, I just probably very stupidly assumed that all jesters were male back in you know uh, mm. the 1500s okay. the old times uh, but jestrous was a an occupation as well Oh, that's that cool was, that's yeah. very can I just cool. say that
2: is definitely not the stupidest thing you've ever assumed Dan
0: so, <laughs> <laughs> okay good keep, keep, keep going <laughs> so La Jardinier, uh served as Mary Stuart's jestress. wow in 1543 and um, she was there for a very long time and she got paid very well she even got paid Four pounds of snow every summer <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah.
2: I think paid very well I, I reckon you so believe was, the PR that she
0: believed That I wasn't, that I think wasn't that
3: was cocaine was it Because <laughs> <laughs> it coca- if it's cocaine then four pounds Is a lot I believe <laughs> I think that
0: was bonus money I Four guess. pounds yeah. of snow, yeah. three pounds of skag
1: Yeah It was seen as a refrigeration yeah, thing Yeah, I can see that that's useful uh, Especially yeah. in the spring like having a bit of You know a bit of snow in your In your under houses yeah. to keep things cold. Yeah. I suppose so, yeah. Tycho
2: Brahe, we've mentioned him before. He had yeah. his own jester, um, who was a, l- a little person, um, a dwarf, um, and it was his uh, own personal jester who Brahe thought possessed psychic powers and he used to make him sit under the dinner table while he ate dinner. And in the source oh. I read, I think it was an io9, which I do like as a source, but it said, his jester had to sit under the table while he ate
1: dinner. Probably best not to speculate why he had him do this. Oh. I don't think
2: that was a necessary comment. Mm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Didn't take Brahe die because he refused to leave the table. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my when god. When he needed to pee and he never left. So maybe the um, jester had enough of him and then kind of held on to him and stopped him from leaving and made mm. him die. Oh, that's what I'm you're Speculating thinking. a little here, but mm.
0: um uh, my other, my favorite jester that I've learned about recently, Perchio of Heidelberg. Have you heard of him? <laughs> no, no. Perchio of Heidelberg, 18th century in Germany. His name actually was a shortening of an Italian for why not. So Perchio. So he was, he was a dwarf and he was famous for his ability to drink. And anytime he was offered a drink, he would say fuck you which was his name (laughs) why not and he would keep drinking that was basically his main entertainment he would just be drunk the whole time and he supposedly lived into his 80s so it didn't it didn't kill him but yeah that was his uh, that was his
3: one main thing there must have been times where his name was and where his catchphrase was quite annoying to him (laughs) hey do you want to put this snake on your leg Perky-o. <laughs> uh, do
1: you want to punch in the face Perky-o. because um saint chrysostom defined a fool as he who gets slapped Really? Yeah. It's wow. a good definition, isn't it? That is a good definition. It's
2: also kind of misleading because the role of fools in, let's say, Tudor courts and late medieval courts was to be the person who could insult the monarch yeah. but get away with it, wasn't it? Uh, I like the trick that King James VI of Scotland's jester, George Buchanan, played on him. So James VI was really lazy about signing official documents and he just signed them without reading them and, you know, George kept nagging him like some annoying wife to actually read the documents and he wouldn't learn. So George the jester eventually went to James and made him sign this document, which had tricked him into abdicating the throne and giving it up to (laughs) his jester. And then he took the document away. He walked back into the room, uh, said to the king, oh, could you just get up off your throne for a second? And then he, the jester, sat down on it and said, I'm king now, by the way, showed him the document. And apparently King James VI always read his official documents
1: after that. But the jester was brutally
2: decapitated.
1: (laughs) (laughs)
0: Okay, that's it. That's all of our facts. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to get in contact with any of us about the things we've said in the course of this podcast, you can get us on our Twitter handles. I'm on at Schreiberland. Andy. I'm at Andrew Hunter M. James. At Eggshaped. Anna.
2: You can email podcast at qi.com.
0: And we are going to be back again next week with another episode. We'll see you then. Goodbye.